Jesus plus nothing. 100% natural, no additives. Andrew Farley is celebrating your freedom in Christ. Call in and ask your questions at 877-655-6755. That's toll free at 877-655-6755. Via satellite from Texas, it's The Grace Message with Dr. Andrew Farley. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Grace Message. I'm Andrew Farley. So glad you're joining us tonight. That number, 877-655-6755. We've got wide open lines, plenty of room for you to get in with your question tonight. Uh, Maybe you've got a question about a scripture passage. Maybe you heard something in church recently. You're not sure about it. You want to talk it over well let's make it a conversation together right now 877-655-6755 and if you're a first time caller tonight you gotta know we love it we love to hear from our first time callers we'd love to hear from you and if you're a veteran listener maybe you've called in the past and it's been a while you got something new on your on your mind, on your heart tonight, join us right now. Open lines, room for you, 877-655-6755. Maybe it's a personal problem going on in your life right now, in your marriage, with your kids, in your church, and you're looking for that grace perspective. Well, again, that is exactly why we're here, toll-free across the United States and Canada, I'll give you that number one more time, 877-655-6755. We're going to start out uh, tonight in Toronto, Canada, and we'll talk with Elizabeth. Hey, Elizabeth, what do you got for us tonight? Well, good evening, Dr. Farley, and thank you very much. Okay, what have I got for you? This is something I've struggled, and I've talked to various people, very long story short, A good friend of mine and her husband that I've been uh, close to, and uh, they have their granddaughter living with them and the parents of the granddaughter, and I reported them to uh, the Children's Aid Society because of neglect and mistreatment of the granddaughter. And um, long story short, I told them that I made this phone call, and since then I've been struggling. I did it because... I, every time I looked at them at church, I felt guilty that I knew something that they didn't. And it was likely going to be a matter of time before they found out. And I just, I don't know if I made a mistake. I don't know if there's various mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. things to do or wrong. Like sometimes there's uh, uh, equally valid decisions that one can make. And uh, she, she ended the friendship, blah, blah, blah. My priority was the well-being of a four-year-old and their dog as well. I called animal services on them because the dog was neglected. So my question is, is there a right way to handle this type of a situation? And I was prepared to face the consequences because my priority was a four-year-old girl who has been neglected and mistreated and is showing personality uh, disorders. Okay, all right. Well, uh, thanks for your call tonight. You know, it's really hard for me not to knowing all the details of your relationship with them, how you know these facts, uh, how you discovered them, what evidence you have, how long uh, you believe this has been going on, and how much evidence has been collected. Uh, so, you know, it sounds like I just need to be saying, 
you know, well done. You're you're thinking about the well-being of this young child and this pet as well. Uh, you know, so I, I don't have enough to go on because I'm only hearing your side of the story. I mean, you know, you might in retrospect to go and confront them and make sure the facts are what you believe they are. Uh, if they are a fellow believer, then, you know, it's a sensitive thing to say, hey, this is what I think is happening based on what I've observed. Is this really what's happening here? But nevertheless, you've reported them and you've done it uh, not to be a tattletale, but to really protect that child. If something abusive or neglectful is going on, then hopefully this will be a good step in the right direction. I, I get it. I mean, you're experiencing rejection right now. You've lost that friendship and, you know, that's going to cause anybody to question, well, they ditched me, they abandoned me, they got mad at me, they reacted to my decision. So am I in the right or am I in the wrong? And it's natural to want to know that. And it seems to me that the Spirit of God is working in you. Uh, you arrived at that conclusion. You made a decision. You pulled the trigger on that and, re and reported it as neglect and abuse. Um, and your relationship suffered, but, uh, you know, maybe, maybe in the end it's going to be for the best, for the best of that family and the best for that little girl. Uh, so I think you were willing, you were willing to lose that friendship, uh, for the sake of this girl. And that's exactly what's happened. So I think you move forward now in confidence. You've already, you have a, a sensitive conscience that, caused you to want to tell them, hey, you know, I had to report you guys. This is why. This is what I saw happening. I was deeply concerned. So I reached out and reported it. Uh, I know that's stressful for you to hear, uh, but I really felt it was necessary. So you've already done the reporting. You've even uh, admitted that to the family. You've been straightforward with them in the end. Uh, they know exactly what's happened. And so if something's really going on there, then you've absolutely done the right thing. And I think you just need to dust your feet and thank the Lord uh, for the discernment that he gave you there and uh, move on and just be willing to lose that friendship. You're, you're probably never going to get that friendship back and there's nothing you could do to restore it. Uh, because that family is going to feel like you invaded their privacy, like you uh, perhaps misinterpreted something, or, you know, they're always going to have a rationale for why what you did was wrong. So uh, you don't believe that. You believe you did the right thing. And so now it's time to move forward in confidence, trust the Lord with your future, and uh, I think that's that's all we can really say about it, my friend. So I appreciate you reaching out, uh, and please feel free to touch base with us anytime, Elizabeth. Great to hear from you. All right, let's go now to New York, and we'll talk with David. Hey, David, what do you got for us tonight? Hey, Dr. Farley, this is David. I got yeah. for you viewpoint of Easter. Easter. Uh-huh. Okay. The, uh, uh, what I was going to say, it's the truth about Easter, you know, the truth about your viewpoint. Yeah, so, okay, all right, that sounds good. Yeah, well, obviously Easter is right around the corner, 
And so lots of people are going to be asking, you know, where did Easter come from and all of that. It's true that you can go back and find some pagan uh, traditions that led to Easter. There were some pagan celebrations in ancient times. People would celebrate the arrival of spring and, you know, the rebirth of nature, as they liked to refer to it. And there were fertility symbols. You had the eggs and the rabbits and all of that. And they were associated with uh, fertility and new life. But over time, you know, Christianity, the Christian message, the gospel began to spread. And so the celebration of Easter became sort of intertwined or intermixed with uh, these existing traditions that were pagan. So today we see Easter, it's, rec it's recognized, I mean, worldwide as a Christian holiday, and it's about the resurrection of Jesus. So, yes, you could go back and say, all right, well, this celebration during this month, during this time of the year has pagan roots. You, you know, candidly, you could do the same thing with Christmas. But where does that leave us? Well, here's what I believe. It's, it's like a meat sacrificed to idols a situation. We can sanctify something through the giving of thanks. And is there anything wrong with celebrating the resurrection of Christ? No. Is there anything wrong with taking a date that used to be associated with pagan ideas and then instead making it about Jesus? Well, of course, there's nothing wrong with that. There's everything right about it. So, you know, I think people who are throwing stones at uh, a December 25 uh, celebration of Christmas or a spring celebration of the resurrection, maybe we just have too much time on our hands. I mean, come on. So we're all free and we can celebrate the birth of Jesus anytime. We can celebrate the resurrection of Jesus anytime. We are free. But why not celebrate it when the rest of the world is celebrating it too? So we've got something to look forward to. It's just a few weeks away. It's right around the corner. It is the reminder of the greatest day in human history when Jesus Christ rose from the dead and if you don't realize the significance of that resurrection, oh my goodness, did you know you're not saved by the cross alone? The cross is not enough. The cross uh, brings you forgiveness, but the resurrection brings you new life. The resurrection is what makes you righteous. The resurrection is what makes you a new creation, a child of God, born of the Spirit. Whenever we use this term, born again, let's remember how we got that way. I mean, first, we had to be crucified with Christ. Our old self died, and then the resurrection came into play because then we were raised to newness of life. And that's real. I mean, it's as real as the skin and bones that you experience uh, physically that physical shell that you've got well just beneath your flesh and bones and everything that you call you you literally have a new spiritual heart a new spiritual nature 
You're a new spiritual person, and it's because of the resurrection of Jesus. So let's celebrate it this spring. Let's celebrate it uh, every day, in fact. Romans tells us to count ourselves dead to sin and alive to God. So when we do that, we're celebrating the resurrection every day, all day long. We're saying, Lord Jesus Christ, I am bonded and fused to you. I am united with Christ. Wow. Thank you, Lord. I'm one spirit with you. And you raised from the dead. You took me with you. And uh, so it's just something beautiful to celebrate that we can turn meat that was sacrificed to idols into something to give thanks for. We can turn what was traditionally a pagan holiday into something actually useful and make it about Jesus. I'm not talking about eggs and bunnies. I'm talking about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. And he is worth celebrating every single day. All right, well, let's uh, let's go now to Texas, and we'll talk with Andrea. Hey, Andrea, what do you got for us tonight? Hey, I have this question that, I well, let me get your answer to the predestination, predetermination, foreknowledge. Uh-huh. Like, I didn't grow up believing that, but then when I got old enough and really start reading it for myself, you can't deny it. It's over and over and over again in the Bible. So how do you explain to somebody who says no, anybody and everybody, how can they be, how can it be both? How can the gospel be open to anybody, but yet it was predestined and predetermined who would and who wouldn't? Yes, okay. All right, well, you're you're definitely 100% correct that this word predestined, I mean, you look up, uh, you do a search on the internet, you go to Bible Gateway or whatever your favorite search engine is, and you type in predestined or predestination, you're going to get half a dozen appearances of this word in the New Testament. And as far as, uh, well, as far as the teaching of predestination, you're going to find uh, Romans 8, uh, God predestined us to be conformed to the image of Jesus. Uh, you're going to find in Ephesians that he predestined us to adoption as sons and that we've been predestined according to his purpose. But here's the catch. See, it's not a black and white situation where we can just take a phrase here, a sentence there, and say, therefore, I believe this is what God did. He went down the city street and he said, I'm going to pick you, Andrea, and I'm going to pick Bob over there, and I'm going to pick Lisa, and I'll pick Bill, and I'll pick Frank. But then uh, across the street, I'm not going to give those guys any chance. I mean, when it comes to Bruce and... uh you know, Laura and those others, well, I'm going to just refuse to pick them, and so they can't choose me. They can't believe the gospel. I'm not going to enable them to. And in fact, I didn't even die for them. I just died for the pre-picked people. I just died for the hand-selected people. I just died for the church, not for the world. Well, is that what the New Testament says? No, absolutely not. Uh, We read in John 3.16, it says, For God so loved 
the world that he gave his only begotten son. So Jesus is for the whole world. Uh, John says that Jesus is the propitiation for our sins, but not only our sins, the sins of the whole world, he writes. And then Paul writes in Corinthians, and he says God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, and now he begs us to be reconciled to him. So look at the offer. I mean, it's an incredible offer that's on the table, and it's for the whole world. And anybody can call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. That's what Romans tells us. We read in the New Testament, God doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants all to believe. It says he wants everyone to come to repentance. So how do you reconcile this? Because didn't we just read in Romans? It says the word predestined right there. And then it says in Ephesians, the word predestined, again, it's in black and white right there. Well, here's the beautiful context of both of those passages. Anytime you're reading Romans uh, chapter 8, 9, 10, and 11, and anytime you're reading Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, you're going to notice a beautiful context of Jews and Gentiles. Now, remember that Paul, who wrote these letters, Paul is an apostle to the Gentiles. So what he is saying is that we Jews were predestined. We Jews were chosen. We were God's chosen people. And now, through Jesus, you also, you have been called to this. You have been predestined. So he's not talking about individuals. Let me say that again. He's not talking about individuals being predestined. He's talking about the Romans being predestined. He's talking about the Ephesians being predestined. Now, you mentioned the word foreknowledge. You know what foreknowledge is? It's knowing something beforehand. It's that simple. So does God have foreknowledge? Of course he does. Can God tell you who's going to win the World Series next year? Absolutely. Can God tell you who's going to win the Super Bowl next year? Of course he can. God wrote the book of Revelation. He's responsible for the future. He knows exactly what's going to transpire. He has foreknowledge. But even though God can tell you who's going to win the Super Bowl, he's not controlling the players. Is he like a master puppeteer in the sky? making the quarterback run downfield and pass the ball at a certain point and causing interception? Of course not. God is letting us move about the planet, and he is not intimidated by our drive, by our choices, by our motivation and inspiration, by our actions. God is never intimidated by our existence. Remember, he created Adam and Eve, and they chose they chose horribly, and yet God still had a plan. So what's my point? Foreknowledge is a great word. God knows everything before it happens, but that doesn't mean that he's controlling who believes and who doesn't believe. So I would encourage you concerning predestination when you study the book of Romans and you study the book of Ephesians, 
to go ahead and circle. That's right. Get out a pen and circle the word we and us and then circle the word you. And you're going to discover something incredible. Uh, let me give you an example. Ephesians 1, 4. He chose us. Ephesians 1, 7. In him we have redemption. Verse 8. He lavished it on us. Now how about verse 13? Watch this switch. He says, in him you also, after listening to the message of the truth, Having believed, you were sealed. So, did you notice in the same paragraph, he goes from we to you also. What is he talking about? He's saying that we Jews were chosen, and now, through Jesus, you also are included in this gospel. You Gentiles, you Ephesians, you Romans, God is saying, I'm going to call a people who are not my people, my people. And that is the grand news flash of predestination. The true meaning of predestination is not about individual selection. It's about groups of people. And it's the incredible news that when the Son of Man is lifted up, he will draw all people unto himself. This is how God fulfills that prophecy to Abraham. Remember what he said to Abraham? He said, you will be the father of many nations, not just Israel. How does that happen? Well, it happens through the cross and the resurrection. It happens through the true meaning of predestination. It means that by faith, Abraham will be the spiritual father of, well, the Ephesians and the Romans and the Americans and the Canadians. And he will be the father of many nations because God opens the floodgates and he invites anyone and everyone to come to the table and feast on his goodness and be saved by grace through faith. So I'll put you back on, Andrea, and see. Does that help? Does that make sense with predestination, my friend? It does. But then I'm thinking, okay, there's a little verse in Matthew 5, somewhere in there that says something like, many will hear, but few are chosen. What, you know what verse we talking about? Many will yes, yes. That, uh, that actually emphasizes exactly what I'm explaining. So many are called. But few are chosen. What does that mean? Well, how many are called? Well, the whole world is called. What does that mean? Well, they're invited. Well, do they respond? Nope. Only a, only a small number of them become the church, the chosen, the elect. I mean, you have a great calling, and so does the rest of the church. Uh, but, I mean, Jesus gives us a parable in that same chapter. It's Matthew 22. You remember what happens, right? There's an invitation that goes out to all people for this wedding feast. And what happens is, I mean, they can't seem to get a response. Uh, people aren't showing up for the wedding feast. And so he says what happens next is they go out into the streets and they invite anyone and everyone, whoever you see, tell them to come. And that is the beautiful gospel invitation. So what you're talking about, many are called, few are chosen, is in Matthew 22. 
verse 14, and it's right there, right next to this wedding feast illustration where the whole, the whole community, anyone and everyone, is invited. And this invitation goes out. It is a mirror, a picture, a shadow, a symbol of this gospel. So you know what? There is just so much confidence knowing that you've been invited, Andrea. You don't have to wonder, was I picked? How would you ever know you were picked? You could live your whole life wanting to be picked and yet not be. Well, you can have confidence that you were invited, as was the whole world. For more information on the broadcast ministry of Dr. Andrew Farley, please visit andrewfarley.org. That's andrewfarley.org. Join us next time as we invite you to celebrate the grace message with Dr. Andrew Farley. This program is sponsored by your generous financial support.